if you become a wandering soul, you're like, you know, just a peon, one of the one of the pawns in my ranks. But if you can hang on to yourself, then yeah, you could be useful to me. And they, like that's the, this is how the entire world has been built. So, yeah, there may not be a Chili's. There may be nothing with the game on the TV, but everything of substance that's there was built off of someone's spirit. And that's insane. If, listen, if that's not the embodiment of capitalism. (laughs) Stop. Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 144. I'm your host, Ryan, here with the other host, Hetch. What's going on, everybody? Who is ready to get the Ouija boards out and bring back the the undamnable? <laughs> bring back the spirits of the dead. Bring them back. Let's go, baby. <laughs> well, you know, you know, Will has a no Ouija board. Uh, <laughs> that's 100% why I made the joke <laughs> like, okay. you can do I'm just imagining like pulling out a Ouija board and then it's just like like my door just gets like caved in my room. No! <laughs> for those of you wondering Will's uh, one of our friends <laughs> and he is strictly no spirit shenanigans <laughs> like not only one of our friends but by definition he's my landlord so exactly <laughs> So all that being said, housekeeping, not that house, this house. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to us everywhere. Visit us at podcastcore.com. Remember that's C-O-R uh, for all of our info. And email us at podcastcore at gmail.com. Follow us on all the platforms because that helps us with discoverability. We appreciate it. You know, we don't have sponsors. Uh, but then leave a like and comment wherever you listen. Uh, easiest way, though, word of mouth. Tell a friend to prepare for Mordecai's return by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. I I don't think any of us are prepared for it, but yeah, yeah, let's prepare this way. This this is totally the way to do it. Yeah, it's kind of false advertising because there's nothing we can tell you. <laughs> if you listen to our last episode, no one remembers. <laughs> like this is this like if um I'm sure someone out there like I can't be the only one that has had a family member get duped by this, but you know like those. Uh, like buying a book on Amazon mm. and then like there's very fine print at the very bottom of the like of the uh, item sale description that it's like this is not actually the book and it's just a notebook and it turns <laughs> out to just be a notebook with like the cover of the book and it's all in like yeah. tiny print at the bottom yeah th- this is a how to survive Mordecai's return and it turns out it's just a notebook like good luck. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, okay, so for this story, The Final Rain, probably the most current story in a timeline we've done in a while, because as we, if you stuck around for the end of our last episode where Hetch and I went into some, you know, ideology stuff and some assumptions on what might could happen with the story uh, moving forward into the deep future, well, we talked about Mordekaiser being the next big, big bad, and when you bring him back... You know, we're having a Viego situation. So is it too soon? When's the right time for that? Who should be involved, et cetera? 
Yeah. And the, as far as like the, if you did listen to that, first of all, you're a real one. Thank you. <laughs> we love you. But uh, this is also like one of the stories since it is so recent, um, like to be you know fully transparent, this is where we kind of grabbed a lot of that information from. So if you listened to it and you were curious about it, good news. This is the episode for you. Yeah. Um, but if you're like us and you don't like flashbacks, oh, <laughs> we got some bad news <laughs> because yeah. the structure of the story is essentially bouncing between present and past a couple times. I think it's split into like five sections, but stories are best told in three parts. So we're going to do yeah, that. Yeah, this is Memento, the Mordecai's tale. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So part one of The Final Reign. Um, the story starts with Mord. And he's finishing the final tower in his new afterlife. Uh, Mitna Raknoon is what it's called. And he walks around just admiring his work in his new kingdom. Uh, and as far as like with this one, it is the getting this bit of detail is really cool because the only other time we've gotten details of this realm is uh, when Mordekaiser first dies and goes there. And it's basically just like a desert. It's a barren wasteland. Uh, and now we get a lot more details, and it's entirely stuff that Mordekaiser has crafted himself through sheer necromancy, um, which is very interesting as far as, like, getting to see his work here, but also, like, helping you kind of reshape your in your mind your image of Mordekaiser, because he's a very powerful mage, despite the fact that he's depicted as a giant suit of armor with a giant mace. And in his time before death, he was, you know, a brutal leader. So it, this really kind of shows us like the other side of Mordekaiser as far as what he did in the afterlife. I believe you're muted. God damn it. <laughs> so this is where we move to our first flashback, um, which is just him as he's dying and what that experience is. So it rehashes what we know from the bio, but just gives us more detail. So quickly, you know, Sean Uzal, before he became Mordekaiser, realizes he's dead and he's happy about it, right? He's like, cool, I made it. I did what I was supposed to do. He looks around in the afterlife and he's expecting even to be escorted, like an Uber is supposed to pull up <laughs> as he gets out of the airport. And then he's taken to the famed Hall of Bones, but there's nothing. There's an endless sand wasteland of nothingness. And he walks and he walks and he walks, and time continues to pass because it doesn't really exist down here, and it's just sand. And this is what slowly gets him angrier to the point where he's like, you know what? I pulled this off in the real world. I can do it here. Why not? Because as we mentioned before, this, where he ended up, is not so much like a underworld or a hell, because we know one of those does exist in Runeterra, but it, it's just more of a limbo. So he sees that as a blank canvas, and that's a bad thing for us. <laughs> now you're muted. <laughs> it's my turn now, goddammit. <laughs> um... So and this is this is um one of those things where it's like really bad for us not only because like you know what it, uh Sanazu did in his life but also because the like we discussed in his bio he's only able to keep his wherewithal off of sheer anger 
Like it, it's not just like, you know, he's there and he has all of his faculties and everything. This is a realm where all living souls that end up there just kind of lose themselves, yeah. right? Like you become a wandering spirit. It's a fugue state. And the only reason he has not become a wandering spirit is just because he's so pissed. Yeah. He is so damn angry that he is able to keep himself there. So anything he does from here is going to be based out of anger. And we saw what he did when he thought he was doing the right thing, not acting in anger. <laughs> so yeah, this isn't good. This is bad. <laughs> So now we jump back to the present in part two of this story, and Mord continues walking around his creation. Uh, we're back in the present, remember? The sound of the wailing souls in the background is like this unholy music to him. He's constantly uh, just observing the souls and just looking at them like, all right. Because right. you remember, there's nothing but what he put here. So there's not like a big – it's not like a sports bar. There's not a TV with the game on, right? <laughs> there's nothing to really look at. <laughs> <laughs> so like this is, what do you think this is a chilies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm going to refer to all chilies as the uh, immortal bastion from now on. <laughs> so the one thing that does stand out is his quote-unquote worthy souls that stand at attention awaiting his order and this pleases him and these souls remember are the ones that he killed himself so if you were to die by his hands in his afterlife, you are deemed worthy. Yeah. And the and we do know as far as like from going through his bio that this world was created as far as in his anticipation of being cast out of Runeterra once he was able to make his triumphant return. So the triumphant return is not even the triumphant return to him because it's like, no, they're going to band together. They're going to cast me back out and I need to be ready for that. So this whole time, like these tortured souls that are there were one people that were living in Runeterra during Mordekaiser's reign that he used his new necromantic abilities that he got just from listening into the void and the limbo. And the, he used his powers to basically anyone he killed, he captured their souls and kept them there. And it's like, oh, if you become a wandering soul, you're like, you know, just a peon, one of the one of the pawns in my ranks. But if you can hang on to yourself, then, yeah, you could be useful to me. And it, like that's this is how the entire world has been built. So, yeah, there may not be a Chili's. There may be nothing with the game on the TV, but everything of substance that's there was built off of someone's spirit. And that's insane. <laughs> if, listen, if that's not the embodiment of capitalism. <laughs> stop. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but stop. <laughs> we had to do it, folks. If you're, if you're new here, you'll get used to it. All right, so we're back. <laughs> Into the flashback, our favorite place. <laughs> and there is this floating arcane tome above a pedestal surrounded by a room of carnage. <laughs> and we have Mord in his suit of armor, because remember, this is a flashback, looming over this mage that's trying to conjure a spell to not only destroy the book, but to destroy himself. And Mord steps in front of the tome, consuming that blast. And the mage is just like, fuck, right? He has like no arms. He blew both his arms off. <laughs> And he makes fun of the mage and with the swing of his mace, splatters him across the room. 
And it's just like, it, it's such a shocking jump. Cause like we told you, this is bouncing back narratively pretty quickly. Uh, and it's for, I forgot what this narrative style is supposed to invoke, but if you read it, it's less jarring. But yeah, we're just in a room. He's on a mission. Because if you remember from our bio, this this story is very dependent on knowing his bio, is when he came back, when he was summoned back by other mages, um, he was on a quest to get as much information as possible. And this was one of those quests. Yes. And the as far as like trying to get as much information as possible, uh, we this is a being that has like you know, was able to keep its sanity, like, within, like, the most barren wasteland that our minds cannot comprehend. Um, so, like, what information is he interested in? So what's in this book? Um, and the, the mage that he, you know, just absolutely bodies, like, I, I'm going to just kind of read directly from, like, what this mage is trying to do to this book, because he's trying to destroy it with a gout yeah. of fire. Um, and... It, as far as with it, it is the it engulfed the Iron Revenant towering above him. So he's got the fire on Mordekaiser while Mordekaiser's like, okay, bet, I'll just body it. And then scorching energy raced up the arms of the mage, the backlash of the spell splitting his own flesh. Still, the mage pressed on, teeth cracking as he gritted them defiantly. Uh, yeah, like this... This is no joke. Like, this is, like, you know, guy, like, trying to use self-destruct spell to get rid of this thing. And it's not burning, one. <laughs> and then Mordekaiser makes it look even weaker. Like, he's trying to use a Bic lighter to burn an entirely <laughs> full-grown tree. Like, that's what, that's what this is. <laughs> and such a metaphor. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, so... This is this is whatever knowledge that Mordekaiser is looking for, but they don't give us details about it. Uh, but we know what Mordekaiser is about, aka once again, as if I haven't said this before, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> this, it, this there's not two good. things happening here. First one, if you play League of Legends, you understand what this mage feels. <laughs> <laughs> I I used to play as Lux all the time, so yes, I know this pain. All yeah, too as Mordekaiser well. walks towards you. Number two is for our book club people. There are sections of that book where we talk a lot in a lot of detail on what Rise experiences when he's doing magic. And to hear this mage's experience, it's very similar. Magic is, especially when you're all powerful or a powerful mage in a mortal shell, it is a very painful experience. Um, so it's cool to get this detail here in this story. Yeah. And uh and then so as far as with that we just know that like whatever information is bound within this tome that the mage is trying to destroy and mordekaiser's after um it is strong enough to withstand some of the strongest magic that the average mortal body can handle because you know to your example these guys aren't like rice like yeah. these guys have not been exposed to the world rooms but they at the still like they're very powerful mages and he's clearly disciplined enough to be like okay well i'm going to literally tap out everything i've got into this and which is even funnier because it, he does not succeed. And Mordekaiser's first words to him are, you lack convic conviction. <laughs> so then it's like, uh, like Mordekaiser just looks at him and is like, oh, you didn't tap everything. While he's like a literally shattered body on yeah. the ground. 
It just gums, no teeth. <laughs> and once again, another great metaphor for capitalism. Like <laughs> he's just standing over this guy. Like I don't think you have the PTO for that. <laughs> So, so Mord looks around at the room, right? And he begins to speak in that old tongue that we've spoken about. We got a translation here. He says, pitiful struggle, freed from flesh, you are all mine. And then he taps Nightfall, which is his mace, on the ground. And points of light rise from inside these bodies. I think there's like 13 of them, which that's symbolic, right? And, yes. and they sink into the ground. And then he grabs the Tome of Spirits and is just grinning. Well, I say grinning, but he's a suit of armor. Internally, spiritually, uh, he's on cloud nine. Yep, like they, he accomplished his goal. He got the Tome. And unfortunately, as far as for us, we don't know exactly what this means. We just know that this is just warning labels slapped all over it. That's that's about all we know. Um, but Mordekaiser succeeded, and then that snaps us back to the present. So now we go back from Runeterra back into Mordekaiser's new realm. Yeah, and now he's in the Great Hall where his throne, which is a replica of the immortal bastion that he did in the mortal realm, he looks around. Looks at the throne, he admires it, and he just breaks it, right? Because he can't. He created it. Uh, he breaks it, and a bunch of souls pour out of this broken throne. And he says this quote, uh, thrones are for mortals encumbered by flesh and human exhaustion. <clears throat> and that's – there's two things here. Well, one thing major, uh, majorly is that we're finding out that to build, like the building blocks of this world are the souls – Another capitalism joke. And <laughs> literally the labor of the souls is what makes these things. And he's showing his wielding over that by destroying something he liked just to free the souls and to hear them scream. It's we don't want him coming back. <laughs> yeah, no, we do not want him coming back. And uh, as far as like um, this is a comparison I do love to make when we do stories similar to this. Uh, but this does have a very much Warhammer feel to it because uh, this is straight up some Drakari nonsense of, you know, hey, Slanesh is trying to get our souls. So we might as well grab as many slaves and keep them alive for as long as possible so Slanesh can have their souls instead of ours. Yeah. Um, and a common Warhammer joke is like, don't don't run into the Drakari, they'll turn you into a chair. That's <laughs> yeah. literally what Mordekaiser did with these people. He turned them into chairs. Literally. Except, except, you know, he's not running from another deity like Slanesh. He is the Slanesh in this <laughs> realm. This is his realm. And he just went, ah, I'm full and smashed it. Like, didn't even want it. <laughs> it's <laughs> our last couple episodes. We've done the scale, like a spectrum of a very Warhammer. Once again, Mordekaiser is very Warhammer. <laughs> very Warhammer. Mordekaiser is at the top of the list of, you know, the Warhammer scale. Yeah. And like all the void characters are just one tier under him. <laughs> <laughs> so his kingdom's now ready, right? He stands on the throne, like, or what was left of it and he looks across the great halls and he sees his army and then we kind of get a finishing up of where we're at and you know as a mortal he thought he was a great conqueror 
Then he came here and he was like, oh, no, there's more. There's there's levels to this shit. Right. And now with his kingdom in the afterworld and a clear understanding of it all, he's become more than that. And with his first return, he spent so much time gathering knowledge, but he raises his mace and he says, you know, let's go again. And it's time for his final reign. Everything is in place. And that's where our story leaves off. Yes. Uh, And like the one comment I'll have uh, as far as with the end of this story, Mm -hmm. because we talked about it in the bio um, as far as like directly. But um, it it does end the as far as like one of the last paragraphs. It does end by saying that you know he's looking over the his creation, the loyal souls that are there, and it's like this was all created because, and it's in the image of the immortal Bastion because it's all connecting this realm to Rune Terra. So he's done all of this so that he can have a different way to get back to Rune Terra than what he did before, which if you remember from the bio was just kind of like seeking out mages who were too curious and be like, yo, say these words. Yeah. Like, come on, come on, bring me back, bring me back. Come on. He he's now all this knowledge was seeking a way to be able to go back freely. Um, which is bad. Like that's he's because he's about ready, and Rune Terra is definitely not. So that, but that's where we leave off. We we don't know if he's going back or not. We don't know when. Yeah, this is like the big red button that Riot has, where they've opened the plastic cover, and now it's ready to be hit when they need to. Uh, so we'll see what that cadence looks like. But um, we're at that part of the episode now, where Hetch and I can ramble about something else related. And one thing I I noticed as we read through this stuff was I thought this was a unique take on a immortal existence, right? Because essentially what he's doing, and most of people listening, you guys are probably gamers, is he has the advantage of being able to respawn. So it's not like a Vladimir or a vampiric style character that we talk about from so many different um, fantastical works uh, where, you know, they are human they become a vampire, but they still exist within the human realm. This is someone who is dying, but coming back and coming back with that knowledge, not in a zombie form where he he has restrictions. It's like, no, he's still him in both existences. So him having that, that ability to now plan is like, okay, I died. When I respawn, I gotta make sure I grab this item, this item, this item. So when I come back, I can do this. And then when I come back, it's like, that is a cool way to do this, right? In, in my mind. Yeah, I, I mean, like, for me, it's kind of like, um, like, in my mind, the way that I see it, because it's like the same way, it's just like a different, defining it differently, which is mm-hmm. that he's playing a roguelite yeah. simulator, yeah. where it's like, okay, well, cool, like, that didn't work. Um, all right, but... I now know like what combination of items that I need. So I'll go explore over here this time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but I like, for me, it's just like, it's very interesting because like the, uh, like mo- he's clearly being set up as like the next really big, bad threat, like, or yeah. the global threat as we like to refer to. Cause you know, there, it's not the same as like, you know, I, uh, Irelia dealing with the Noxus invasion yeah. and trying to ban Ionia. Like that's a, an isolated thing like this, like all of Terra would be threatened by Mordekaiser's return. Mm-hmm. That's the same way as when we talk about like the void and stuff. Right. But the fact of the matter is that we know that there are many different 
parallel worlds here, right? Because you've got like the the where the Yordles come from, mm-hmm. where Bandle City kind of is off on its own thing. You have the cosmos with Aurelian's beings like Aurelian Soul and Zoe being able to like interact with Rune Terra uh, through Mount Targon, and then you also have like the undead world where Neela got to see it and will never know what she saw. Yeah. Uh, the depths of the ocean. Like there's a lot of different moving pieces going on. Right. And I bring all of that up because Mordekaiser didn't end up in any of those. Yeah. He ended up in the, like, as far as like to his knowledge, a barren wasteland, but we do know that there were wandering souls there. We also know that he learned the magic to come back by just existing in that realm without losing his mind. Yep. Because it was just whispers he heard on the wind, right? Who was whispering? Yeah. There's no way Mordekaiser is the actual ruler of this realm. And Mordekaiser, as far as, especially with just the sheer cunning that he has demonstrated in the entirety of his story, I refuse to believe that he's just like, okay, cool. I'm the only one here. Because I'm not thinking that. And so for me, it's more like, okay, like what's going to happen first? Like is Rune Terror going to have to deal with the onslaught of Mordekaiser's return first? Or is Mordekaiser going to unleash something worse just because he's trying to so hard to connect, to make this connection, but like connecting these things is going to open the door for somebody else too. Yeah. Yeah. And cause like the whispers from the bio were, interpreters right it was mages mimicking something else so it's like okay well what are they mimicking there has to be like Mord Mord has his sandbox that he's playing in but who made the sandbox it's just not it's very weird for this space in reality just to exist with all these other cosmic level things not knowing it's there or being able to interact with it so yeah it's it's a cool um it's a cool question mark on a box to have uh, that they don't necessarily have to explain right away. They can save it for something greater uh, because it, it also, you know, as you spoke about that aspect of it, I thought of Nico, right? And Nico's existence bring up more questions about the spirit realm and Ionia and the, you know, the, uh, the Vistaya and the in-betweens of Vistaya and spirit realm. And like, we have so much room to play in there and Mordekaiser is a great extra example of that. So We'll yeah. see. I, I, and that's that's one of the things that does make me excited for it because it, it's just showing that it's like, you know, the more that we get to learn about it, it's like there's so little about like the sheer possibility of the worlds around Terror that we could know, right? Yeah. Um, which is always fun as far as like a like narrative point as well as a creative point because it leaves you open to like go in a lot of different directions because um, uh, something that we always uh, – these days that we always end up coming back to is uh, the idea of like how to implement this in an MMO, right? Yeah. Um, Which we kind of talked about in the bio, but like as far as like, you know, with this angle, you could have like Mordekaiser come back. We could have, uh, you know, a band of champions come together to defeat this threat. And maybe it opens the door for something else. Maybe it doesn't, but there's still going to be some kind of aftermath of if that threat is dealt with. Right. And that's like the MMO possibilities there are just ripe for the taking. Like, could you imagine like being able to like go into Noxus and like Noxus is just a shell of itself because of Mordekaiser. And it's like, all right, 
it's time to build back up the tree REI. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like you could have a lot of fun with it. Um, so yeah, the, who knows? The, who knows? The, the only thing, I guess my only prerequisite is don't be too hasty, right? I hope they don't, I hope they don't rush into this because, uh, Viego stuff is, was very popular. Viego as a big bad was accepted by all. Everyone loved that stuff and they did a lot of that stuff. Mordekaiser's not too far from those concepts. So I feel like if you rush into it, it will feel too much more of the same. And yeah. it will feel like a lackluster event where what they're doing now is making people understand and care more about Mordekaiser. Because you don't have some of the uh, the simple trappings of a Viego. Like Viego's hot. Viego's very anime. Right. He's yeah, he's he's he has that he has the personality that is very um appealing for a big bat. So it worked, right? People liked his gameplay. Yep. That worked. Mordekaiser as a character has always been a giant suit of armor, right? No one really knew his background. He doesn't have that appeal. Gameplay wise, he definitely didn't have the same appeal Viego had when he came out because he's an older character. So I, I feel like there needs to be a level of caution from the business standpoint on when to hit that red button uh, because yeah. there's so many characters. You don't have to rush. That And that's, that's very fair. And like, and you kind of ended on the point that I was going to follow up on, which is that um, we this is all just like speculation. This is us having fun yep. trying to imagine what the Mordekaiser story would look like as far as with his return. He wouldn't even he doesn't even have to be the next big bad. Right. Because like we know Neela is trying to hunt down Volibear. Volibear. Yep. Um, is a very destructive force in a completely different manner, right? It's not the same as like he doesn't have a cunning ambition. He's not like the void where he just yeah, consumes like all needlessly. Yeah, he's just a natural disaster. Yeah. Like that's a completely different angle you could go by that could still be a close to global level threat for Runeterra. Because I mean, if he goes on a rampage, um, like it what happens as far as like with all the permafrost and everything. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things that are frozen deep in the ice yep. that, that room terror is not ready for. Um, and then I mentioned the depths earlier, like, you know, we know so little about the depths. Uh, and we know from like Nami's uh, comics that we got to cover in which if you listen to those, thank you so much. But with those, there's a lot of horrifying yeah. crap down there yeah, um, things so, in the water are afraid of things deeper in the water okay <laughs> okay <laughs> so it's like you know this is just like they could always just have that red button and just close the case and push one of these other red buttons that <laughs> yeah. are established so like this this who knows but like the bottom line is that we hope that you enjoyed the story as much as we do because it is exciting to think about when that button is going to get pushed and exactly what it's going to look like once the button's pressed because it could be a, we all we there's so many ways that it can go but all of them are going to be bad and yeah. that's exciting like because that gives you urgency to whatever story they want to make it through that exactly and with that you know Hetch's great points if you listen to the first half of this and you're not here, we'll thank you anyways. If you listen to the whole thing and you're still here, we'll thank you as well. Um, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll be back soon with the next episode.
Yeah, take care, everybody.